When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a little like uh, uh, thing that I wanted to say. I thought it was just so funny. Uh, I'm talking to Andrew uh, via Twitter, and I go, hey, man, is there anything you need from the States that I could bring to you? You know, I'm already coming. And he goes, airheads, smiley face. Now, mind you, bro, learning about who you are and then you sending me airheads with a smiley face had me dying, bro. What is it about airheads that you love so much? Bro, they're just the best candy ever. You were coming to visit me, and you asked, and I thought, well, let me, you know. Request some childhood happiness. What do we say? Only women and children are happy, right? Yeah. Trying to bring me back. Uh, so they don't kill you. They're, you have the crack. How do you feel about other influencers that walk in the footsteps of you, but I feel like miss, or maybe they don't miss. I kind of want to like ask you, how do you feel about like the Aiden Rosses, the Sneeko, Zerka, all of these people that kind of walk in the realm of where you want. Like Neon is one now. Like, how do, you, how do you feel about these gentlemen? I think they're all different people. I don't pay attention to any of them. Um, I know something about, I think, I mean, I don't want to insult anybody. I don't want to talk about anybody negatively. Zerka's a clown. <laughs> I mean, dude, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not laughing because it's Zerka thing. It just caught me so off guard. Listen, I'm not going to talk shit about anybody. I'm going to be very respectful. But fuck that guy. <laughs> okay, Zerka. I mean, I'm just trying to be honest. I, I don't, I, I understand your question, but I don't see myself as similar to any of them. I think that. Oh, thing- no, I never said you're similar. I think that they're trying to uh, recreate your formula. Oh, it's yeah. like the Krabby Patty formula. You know how Plankton's sitting yeah. around being like, how do they do it? And then they're trying to do it, but it's not really working. Yeah, but out they for lack them. substance. They have no lessons to teach. They have no life experience. They are clowns. And when you're a clown, you embarrass yourself for other people's entertainment. I mean, I don't want to. Aiden, I know well. Sneeko, I know well. Are you close with Aiden? Yeah, I speak to him often. Okay, I, but that, but Neom, Neom, or whatever his name is, he's a clown and Zerk's a clown. I don't want to insult them too much, but they're, they're just children being, stu- being stupid. And, and I think that as the world devolves into insanity. People are looking for solutions and answers, as I said earlier, which I can provide. They can't provide that because they don't have the life experience or the intellect or the capability. So all they can do is provide cheap entertainment at their own expense. When you're a clown, you embarrass yourself for other people to laugh. Yeah. And, and the Joker effect. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a completely different subsect, but I do feel like there are some people who are trying to follow in my footsteps and imitation is certainly the is flattering. flattering. It was always going to happen. There was always going to be people who were trying to be me. But, but there will always be one that top G. So it is what it is. They're just highlighting the more um, insulting version of you than they are. Like they're not. They're they're they're. Your 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 method is punch. Here's the knowledge. Yeah. And they're just punching. Yeah. For the I, clicks. Yeah. And I think there's thousands of people, and there's probably thousands of influencers I've not heard of who are probably doing trying to do something similar or to copy my formula or say the same kind of things. And yeah, that, that's probably who are you true. closest with. You know like what? social media realm. Is it Nelk? Is it Aiden? Is it who? Who does somebody you relate to and you could fully have a conversation and enjoy yourself? You know what's interesting? The Nelk guys are super cool. And I've met a lot of guys. And Aiden was cool. I've met Aiden, met Sneeko. But you know what's actually really interesting? I don't talk to anybody. I, and I've, I've realized this. In fact, there was a conversation about this inside the war room a few weeks ago. And we we're talking about how a lot of influencers cross-pollinate for views and stuff, right? They like, oh, I'll do a show with him and he'll do a show with me and then we'll go to his house, we'll do a show there and blah, blah, blah. 
Podcast is obviously different because it's a podcast show. But outside of podcasts, I don't meet anyone ever. If I, I, I can get a million views with me and Tristan in our home with an iPhone. I don't talk to anybody. So I don't have conversations with anyone. I don't meet anyone. I'm far away. I'm in Romania. I can't leave. I don't really want them to come here. I don't want to have to entertain them. I'm, I'm quite isolationist. And my friends are the same friends I had 20 years ago. I don't have any new friends. I don't talk to any new people. I don't know this because they're necessarily bad people as such, but I just think we're on different paths, different missions. Like I genuinely believe I'm waking up and trying to make myself the most excellent version of myself. I have the same standards for the people I love and my children and my family and my women, and I have the same standards for my fans. I don't want any fan of Andrew Tate to have ever lost in any realm. This is the thing that's interesting. I see these other influencers, right? Let's say these other influencers, some random influencer comes along and he sells some random garbage, a crypto, and the crypto loses a bunch of money, for example. I couldn't sleep at night knowing that my fans lost money because of me. Yeah. I couldn't, I, I, don't, I don't want money that bad. I would rather all of my fans say, you know what, you can say what you want about Andrew Tate, but since I listened to him, my life has only gotten better. Nothing bad has happened to me. I go to the gym, I feel better, I feel motivated, I feel happier. I'm, I joined his school, it costs $40, it was cheap, I'm making money now. What's there bad about Andrew Tate? Every single thing he, he told me to do benefited me. And I really think I'm on this path to excellence. And when I see all these other influencers, and I don't want to say names, and I'm not throwing shade, and I'm not trying to start internet beef, because that's what they're going to try and do, to try and get clicks off my name, because they're not relevant without me, and I don't give a fuck about any of them. Just don't name them. Just, yeah. All these people, what they're doing is, the way they're acting doesn't inspire anybody to be brilliant. Going in the street and yelling like an idiot, running around with, with half-naked girls and being entertaining and doing all this garbage they're doing. Nobody looks at that and goes, I want to be a better man mm. at, at all. They look at it and they might laugh. Yeah. They might think it's funny. It might get views. Entertaining, no substance. Yeah, it's no substance. And that's why I think my brand is quite unique because it's very substance-driven. And the reason my brand is so substance-driven is because I've had such a difficult life. I wouldn't be able to tell and teach the things I can unless God's put me through so much shit. I've been through a whole bunch of things so that I can teach and tell the world, look, you can do this this way and life will improve. You can be this kind of person and your life will be better. But I think all these other influencers or whatever else they're doing, I think they're largely a part of the problem. I would like to think in other nations and other cultures, and I don't know, but let's look at China, which has an insulated internet. If they have a brain, and I've heard this is true, I don't know if it is, but they make sure that their algorithms, the people who become famous are musicians and mathematicians and engineers. They don't allow their algorithm to promote the idiots because they want the youth to be inspired by people who can do math extremely quickly or play the violin I've heard about this. Grade. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Now it is the matrix to a degree. Of course it is censorship and it's governmental control. Yeah, but we're doing the same thing, but promoting the opposite. We're promoting insanity. So then you go down the rabbit hole. Why? Who? What's the end goal? Why do we want children to, to wake up go on their phone and tune into a stream of some geek loser screaming at the top of his voice in public. Who is doing this? Why are we trying to dumb down the population and permanently distract them with absolute garbage? Because I, I truly believe that is, you, you talk about God and we talk about faith. To be a disciplined religious person, it, the word is discipline. It requires discipline. It takes discipline to read the Bible. It's not gonna be, screaming kids. It's not going to be flashing images. It's not going to be as entertaining as a stream with 30 naked girls. No, you're going to have to sit down, pay attention, read, focus, reflect, try and find the lesson in the parable, get confused, read it again, ask for help. You're going to have to study. 
That takes discipline. As we're destroying the new generation and removing their ability to focus on anything, removing their ability to be disciplined, you're taking them from God. Most of these children today are so messed up from TikTok, they can't even focus on one page of a book, any book, because all they do is scroll. Have you ever seen someone on TikTok, how fast they change video? Yeah. Their minds are gone. You well, can't even sit them down and teach them anything. Whose fault is that? Hear me out. Is it the Matrix fault or is it the parents' fault? Well, very interesting. And I do think that parents certainly have a huge part to play. But before I, it was the before it was the sorry to interrupt you, but before it was this, right? Before it was the phone. Say it was the school system. Yeah. There was two types of parents. The one that dropped off the kids, went, met the parents, yeah. uh, met the teachers, met the principal, saw what's going on. Yeah put their toe in the water, felt acclimated to leaving their child there. Yep. And another one was like, eh, eh, see you later. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. True. So is this just a different version of where we've been? Is there a matrix or is there just laziness? I don't think there's necessarily a matrix, but then you have to look yourself and ask the question. If a government's going to come along and say to a social media company, your social media product is designed to get people addicted and as a responsible company, not responsible, competitive company, you're developing your product to be as ruthless as possible because mm. that's what you're going to do. Yeah. But we don't want you to say X, Y, and Z. You're not allowed to promote racism. You're not allowed to promote hate speech. You're not allowed to promote misogyny. We do want you to promote transgender ideals. We do want you to promote gender fluidity. We do want you to promote um, whatever else. And never have a conversation about the fact that maybe we want you to promote discipline and hard work and, and these other things as opposed to being a clown. Do you Why? Think, do because you, they, are, they are using these machines yeah. to promote garbage. Why don't they use it to promote anything constructive? So check this out. We're in the land of the free. Huh. You don't agree with this. Of course not. But let's debate about this. Yeah. Is it free, so free, that it's giving the will to anybody to do what they want and this is what the mass wants to do with it? First things first, no country on earth is free. Not one. Next, which country has the most people in prison currently? America. Which country has the highest percentage of its population in prison in history? America. Which country has the most laws? I don't know that one. America. Oh. So when you talk about the land of the free, what they're actually saying is, we've built a society based on freedom. Of course there is no freedom because true freedom is anarchy. So I'm not even advocating for it. But that's right? what I'm saying. Do you no, think no, it turned no, that way because of that? No, no, no. But here's, here's, the, here's the psyop. Yeah. Every single country has its own version of their restrictions and rules. When I go to the UAE, I feel very free because I can say anything I want. I don't want to say the things that would land me in jail. If I insulted Islam or insulted the leaders of Dubai in Dubai, I'd go to jail, yeah. but I don't want to. It doesn't cross my mind. So I speak and feel free. In America, if you go to America and you talk pro-LGBT, pro-agenda, pro-Democrat, pro all these things, you think you're in a free country because you're saying all the things you're allowed to say. If you start saying the things you're not allowed to say, you'll learn that it's no more free than Saudi. It's just, there's a different set of rules of what you're allowed to say. So what we have, Please let me please make, make, let me make this point pertinently clear. Your ability to speak freely is directly correlated to your insignificance. When nobody listens to you, you can say what you want. If you get a platform and start talking, you will learn very quickly how you're not allowed to say what you want because people are listening. You're free to talk in an empty room. You're not free to talk to millions of people who are paying attention to you.
So what we have now in the West is a society which is only linked and only bound by this false idea of freedom because we don't no longer believe in a flag. You look at Russia. All Russians respect Russia. They all respect the Russian flag. They respect the Russian identity. You can be Christian, you can be Muslim, but we are Russians. And when they're attacked externally, they unify as a Russian people. America doesn't have that. Half America hates the flag. Uh, we, they've, they've turned the colors against each other. They've turned the religions against each other. They've turned the political parties against each other. Nothing unifies. Nothing when a house unifies. is divided, it falls. Yeah, a house is divided, it falls. Nothing unifies America besides the illusion of freedom. So... When you have the most controlled nation on earth with the most laws and the most people in jail, and the only thing that's preventing absolute anarchy and unifying the people is the illusion of freedom, how do you do that? What you do is you make sure that nobody's free to do anything important, like speak about important issues, but you allow people to be free to do dumb shit. So you allow them to be as free as they want to chop their dick off, change their name, change their pronouns and be clowns. So then you could say, well, we're a free nation. Look how stupid this idiot gets to act. And you sit and say, well, I don't want to do that. I want to talk about the educational system, and I have a large podcast, and everyone's listening to me. Delete him. Ban him. Whoa, 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 whoa. First Amendment. No, no, ban him. Oh, he's still talking. Oh, there's demonstrations. Jail. Well, I thought we are in a free country. Oh, you are free. You can chop your dick off. But I don't want to do that. So the whole thing is a scam. And only the Western countries even promote this idea of freedom. And it's a scam freedom, as I've just described, whereas other nations don't do that. Saudi Arabia will not say we are a free country. They will say we are God-fearing. We're an Islamic country. We don't care about freedom. We care about worshiping God and living true to God. Now, I actually, as a person, like the rules I understand. Even if I were to play a game I don't particularly like, right? Even if I was in a situation, even if I don't like the rules of life, let's say you made me move to some random country, Kuala Lumpur. I don't know the rules of Kuala Lumpur. But I have to move there. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. But I have to move there and you give me the set of rules and I read them. I'll respect that. What I don't respect is going to a country and reading the rules. First Amendment, freedom. I'm like, oh, cool. And, it's they, all, and, then they, and they get you. It's a mirage. It's a mirage. So at least in other nations, you know the rules. You wouldn't go to Moscow walking around with a fuck Putin t-shirt. No. Oh, what? <laughs> See, you know the rules. Yeah. So... That's the biggest illusion that's going on. So when you're talking about we have so much freedom, absolutely and utterly not, sir. I'll disagree with you on that point. There's no freedom at all. In fact, there's less freedom than there is in other places, and you don't even know what you're free to do anymore. Depending, you can riot if you're BLM, but if you're the, if you're the Republicans and you riot, ooh, jail. Well, I thought we could peacefully demonstrate. I thought we could demonstrate. I thought we could protest. It's a democratic company, country, right? No, you can't protest anymore. There's protests in France. They're all getting locked up. It's, it's all a mirage. It's all garbage. What is now unifying the West? Because we don't even have God anymore. And this is one of the things that's interesting when you talk about Christian versus Islam. Ironic how everything started coming about when we did take God out of it. Completely. But now we have Christian nations. And they don't feel Christian to me. They don't look Christian. I mean, I could walk around with a fuck Jesus t-shirt in a Christian nation. I wouldn't do the same thing with an, in, a, in an Islamic nation with the Islamic prophet. You know, I respect I wouldn't. I wouldn't for... do it with an Islamic prophet in a Christian nation. <laughs> You're still toast. Yeah. So they won't put up with it. They won't put up with it. So this is the thing that's so interesting when you start to analyze people who are atheistic and go, God's stupid. You don't need God. 
they're not even smart enough to look at the big picture and realize without God, there's nothing. Yeah. You have nothing but anarchy and chaos. And I tell you, when 10 armed men turn up at your house and start raping your wife and putting a gun to your head, you'll wish God was there. You'll be praying then, Mr. Atheist, Mr. Fucking Tough Guy. Everybody- then you'll start talking about God. And it could have been prevented in the first place if society was preserved, if there weren't dickhead atheists like you talking godlessly. That's what these clowns don't even understand. Without God, there's nothing. It's all a joke. It, it, it's so it, it's perfect that you say that because every man knows God when he's at his lowest place. Oh, they were they were praying on that submarine. <laughs> 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 Woo! They got the candles out. <laughs> they had the little picture of Jesus. <laughs> it's like who's got a picture of Jesus? Well, Anyone so- got a picture of Jesus? <laughs> ah, shit. Oh, my God, that was so. Uh, you catch me with the left, bro. You catch me sometimes. They were praying, um, sir. <laughs> I forgot. Comp- oh, 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 here it is. Here it is. That was great. Uh, I think we're. Uh, this is the thing that people don't understand. And and mind you, this is just me for reflecting. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. I want you to tell me if I'm wrong. I believe every man, woman, baby, child, anybody, we're all designed to worship. Yep. All of them. Yep. Now you could say I don't believe in God. Buddy, that's your faith. Yep. You don't believe yep. in God. That's your faith. Yep. So you worship it. You don't worship a God, but you worship yourself. Yep. And I think that's why they, they feel the weight of the world on them because God's like, all right, you don't want me to have it in my hands? Have it in yours. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, and it comes crumbling down. And then you start realizing that even your family could get evil. Yep. And then you could get evil. And your loved one could get evil. But then when you have boundaries and restrictions and rules, and here's the best part. I think wisdom truly is starts and finishes with the fear of God. Absolutely. Same way if you have a fear of your father. You respect your father, right? Absolutely. You fear of disappointing your father. Absolutely. No, uh, and, and it's so important what you've just said because it's so profound and people at home need to understand it. All humans are meant to worship and this is true. The godless, atheistic, left-wing psychos worship the pride flag and abortion. Watch them. Look at them. They worship it. They go. They turn up. They scream its name. They try and promote it. They worship it. Or you have famous men who will worship fame or worship their girlfriend, worship their wife. If you believe in God, you're not going to worship your wife. You're going to respect your wife. You're going to do your very best to do good by her. But you're, you respect, you worship God. Mm. You're not going to allow a woman to trounce all over you. You're going to like, no, sorry, we live godless. We live within certain boundaries within this house and we're a religious household and you're not going to do that. Otherwise, we're not going to be together anymore. This is how it works. We're a religious household. Yep. But everybody worships something. Yeah. You, by talking about being an atheist, you think you're just showing the world how smart you are and that nothing's above you, but it's absolutely not only the opposite. Now you're showing that dumb shit's above you. You're worshiping fame. You're worshiping uh, clicks, likes, money, some other person, some human. I it's mean, garbage. It, it's crazy to me that, um, and I, like, again, I, I talk about OnlyFans uh, girls and, and, I, and no disrespect to them. And the reason why I have no disrespect to them is because I believe that I was blessed with a, uh, with a home that teaches me about making decisions for my future. Yeah. And I can't point my finger at a, at, at a female or a man who's making decisions that they didn't have loved ones to d- tell them, like, hey, yeah. don't just plan for right now. We got to plan for your future. Yeah. Um, Everything starts in the home. Yep. And if you notice, 90 or so, crazy percent of people that are in prison, they don't have a father. Yeah. And there's a lot of situations that stem from not having a good example in your life. Agreed. So let's circle back to the home, right? We can't, we can't control the government. We can't control the matrix. We can't control the schools. Yeah. But we can control what goes in inside and outside of this home. Yep. And that's a very powerful, powerful, powerful thing that people are not circling but around. But only if the man is the man of the house. Yes. Only if he is not feminized. 
Only if the Matrix has not empowered the woman to the point where she thinks she's too good to listen to the man she's supposed to be with. Hey guys, just a reminder that the merch is out for a few more days. So if you haven't got a chance to go to theheartofdavid.co, go ahead and click the link in my description or you could shop on YouTube. Thank you guys so much and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the podcast. What is the foundation of a strong house? Well, it's got to be the man. Okay. And, uh, but it's the family unit. Men and women are different and they're supposed to work together and do different roles to come together and combine and become the most powerful force. If you destroy the roles, if they no longer combine, if they no longer fit together, everything's broken, which is what's happened in the West now. I actually find it fascinating. And that that's why I'm called a misogynist, by the way. I'm called a misogynist for saying there should be a man of the house. Because they're mistaking leadership with higher value. They're, they're mistaking leadership with detriment and they're mistaking leadership with oppression. And it's, it's such a psyop that they're doing because they're coming along and saying to women, any man who says he's responsible for you and tries to guide you is oppressing you. And that's absolutely not the case. In fact, if you look at history, most of the time it was the father who guided the, the daughter until the daughter got married and then her husband guided her. Yep. That's how it's always been. There's nothing wrong with that. And women come along and say, we don't need no men's guidance. We'll make our own decisions. Okay, that's fine. Well, let's, totally look, at the, fine. let's look at the decisions you're making. Let's actually look at Western society and let's look at these women without fathers and let's look at these women who don't listen to no man. What decisions are they making? Are they good for them? Are they good for society? Are they good for anybody? I said something that got me in a lot of trouble a long time ago and I'm gonna say it again. I said, <laughs> please. <laughs> I'm not good at learning my lessons. What did I say about driving until you hit the tree? <laughs> what did I say? Okay, go ahead. I said the world would be a much better place if women had to walk around with their body counts on their foreheads. Oh, I remember. You got smoked for that. Everyone lost their minds, but not because they're like, he's a misogynist, because they're too stupid to extrapolate. Because I say something abrasively to shock people, and the intelligent ones will look at what I say and extrapolate the lessons from it. Like we talk about the Bible. You read the parable, but you have to sit down and analyze what it actually means. Yeah. What I'm talking about is female promiscuity. If women had to be far more careful and more selective with who they slept with, this would inspire masculine excellence now. You can't be a loser with a little bit of weed and get a chick over the house. You have to be a better version of a man. You have to be the kind of man who can provide for her if she gets pregnant for her to even consider sleeping with you because that number is going to go up and she's going to be judged for it. And women don't like being judged. Women are very, very susceptible to societal pressure and peer pressure and judging. Same with men. Same with men, but women even more. Because men are not going to want to be with a girl who has 468 numbers. A hundred percent. So now men are going to get, men are like, I want a low number. She doesn't want to add to her number. I better be better. I better be better. Now when someone gets together, they're going to stay together. They don't want to mess up their numbers, right? They're going to stay together. They're going to stay together as a family. They're going to be more prepared to sit, talk through things, work things out. No longer divorce anymore. The church I'm, holds this. The, Islam holds this. Absolutely. Because in Islam and in Christianity, when you go to church or you go to the temple, right? What are the, the main thing that they fear is God, but they also fear how other people are looking at them. 100%. When my mom used to come to church and go, hey, don't embarrass me around these people. 100%. So I had to behave. I'm like, all right, I don't want to represent my family the wrong way. Completely. Peer pressure can go positively as well as negatively. So when I said this, I got attacked for being a misogynist, but no one understood what I'm actually talking about is couples coming together, work together, masculine excellence and removing promiscuity from society so that you get to a point where a lot of problems are fixed. What did you just say about prisons and fatherless homes? Wouldn't having that number on a woman's head fix the fatherless homes? Now we fix the prison population. You can extrapolate this out towards fixing the entire society. But I make the point and nobody listens to what I say. They just, they just lose their minds because they're emotional. But it's, no, but it is. But it's amazing how you can extract out from that one point I made. But you could have made the same point in a loving way. I could have. 
That's what I'm saying, bro. So then because we have to ask why I don't. Yeah, that's the thing, bro. Because, because I think that's your next journey. Because I think you're. I think this is what happened. You knew step one was to get famous, and the only way to get famous is to piss people off. I did pretty good. You did. You did. Hey, you did a fantastic job. Thank you, sir. Okay, your next season now is to group in the rest of the sheep. Yeah. And I, and I think, and I say sheep in a good way. Trust me, it's yeah. a biblical term. Uh, I think right now you need to win the hearts of some females that disregard you completely. Because I had this conversation with my girlfriend, and my girlfriend's like, hey, listen, he says this, he says that. I go, okay, you gotta think about what they're going. So we had to sit down and watch a podcast, and then, like, baby's trolling here. Yeah. And she goes, well, I don't understand that he's trolling here. Why would he be trolling here? Why is he talking so serious here? Yeah. But then he's joking around here. Yeah, of course. So I think, honest to God, I really do. I yep. think your next journey is going to even be bigger because now you're going to have to figure out a way to talk to other people without pissing them off. And I can, so, do, okay, and I can do it. For this episode. I can do it. Explain to me in a way that you get the same result of the numbers thing. It's like school. Without using the numbers thing. What, what could we do to get women to use their numbers lower without disrespecting them and saying, hey, go outside and, and put your number up. Of course. And just the point I'll make, I don't think it's disrespectful. I think it was just a thought experiment. But I understand what you're saying. I can say it a far easier way. Do you know why I'm doing this, by the way? Of because I, I, I want to vouch for you. And I want to vouch for Trump. And I want to vouch for people that I do believe in but it's really fucking hard yeah. when you're going around saying, these bitches need to have fucking numbers on their head. And I'm like, motherfucker, day, stop saying that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to vouch for you. So if I have to come out here and, and literally come out, fly out here 15 something, 16 hours, I want to sit here and say, dude, I am with you. Yeah, but I'm course. trying to be with you, waving my morals and my integrity. I'm trying to bring in even the people that we think are stupid, they're still worth saving. Oh, completely understand. And, I, and I'm also very prepared and aware that I can say things in a far nicer way. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. It's not accidental. I am aware of it. You already achieved what you needed to achieve. Yeah. And, and that's why I said it's something I said a long time ago. I was just explaining the point behind it. But it's I a do. strong message, so how do we get that message out without pissing them off? Oh, that's easy. I mean, I think when you tell a woman... But you know what's interesting? It's really interesting, and I want to make this point. There is a very vocal minority, especially on, on the internet, of feminists and left-wing psychos. I'm telling you, if I say to a woman, being promiscuous is disgusting, 95% of women go, yes. It's only these 5% of idiots you see going, I can do whatever I want. I'll sleep with 100 guys if I want. And then we sit and go, all women think that way. Women are not actually as broken as society is showing them to be on the internet, thank God. They're not that bad. Because trust me, most women know that. In fact, women know that so intrinsically in their hearts. If you see a woman insult another woman, what does she call her? A whore. <laughs> Slag. It's the first word out of her mouth. You just slop. It's the first thing women do, because women know that's how you insult a woman. So even the bad women who run around having arguments with other women who are promiscuous themselves use promiscuity as an insult. So most of the world actually understands this. It's only the Western world which has this very broken vocal minority. And these people always come to terms and learn that they were wrong as they were older. It's just unfortunate they have to learn the hardest possible way. I don't think there's any woman out there except with 100 guys who's happy she's done it. It's sad. She got psyoped by society. She probably had no dad at home, no masculine role model. No one guided her. She got psyoped by society into thinking that having sex with men is somehow going to be empowering. And she's woke up one day and looked in the mirror and she hates herself. I was at a I feel sad for her. I was at a party once at my friend's house and they always make fun of me for this, but I was a very, uh, uh, 
learning curve for me. Yep. I'm sitting there and all my friends are having fun. And I'm noticing that this girl's behavior is trying to impress the men that's around her. Yep. And she starts trying to do drugs. And I looked at her and I go, sweetheart. And by the way, that's dangerous, right? Calling a girl sweetheart now is very dangerous. Yeah. And, and it never comes, like my father, I have to tell him to chill because he'll be like, sweetheart, honey. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, chill. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, say yeah. that shit no more. Yeah. And it's so heartbreaking because my father looks at them like their daughter. Yeah. You know? And, and so just know if I did say sweetheart, I was looking at it from the eyes of my own father. So I go, sweetheart, you don't have to do that. Yeah. And she lost her fucking mind on me. And she started freaking out. Everybody's like, yo, you can't say that, blah, 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 this isn't that, right? Okay. She freaks out, leaves, and she says something that broke my heart. The man was like, listen, you got to go. You're freaking out. You're causing a problem. They're not going to kick me out, right? Yeah, yeah. They're not going to kick me out. Yeah. But they're going to kick her out. And the thing she says, she goes, no, 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 it's fine. I'll suck your dick. <sighs> so right there, I realized that she was put in positions to realize that that's her way out. Yeah. That's her value she can offer. Broke me. Okay. The next day, I asked the gentleman, I go, hey, man, what happened to that girl? He goes, dude, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't heard from her, and I'm trying to hear from her. I'm freaking out. So my heart drops. I go, hey, if that girl killed herself, I'm going to really, really, it's going to take me a lot to get out of that. Yeah. Because I'm going to know that that weight was on me. Of course. And then I start going back. Should I have pulled her aside? Should yeah. I have done this, yeah. this and that? Finds out. She put herself in rehab. It took one person. Wow. To question. Wow. What she was doing yep. for her to question yep. what she was doing. Yep. If you feel like somebody you love or your neighbor is doing something that you know in your heart, hey, man, like you don't need to be doing that. We've been put in positions to be like, don't be that guy. Yep. But be that guy because you have no idea how catastrophic her life could go off on if you just asked her one fucking question. That's right. Hey, man, what are you doing? Yep. You don't need to do that. Peer pressure can work positively also. That's why I circled back to that. And it's actually very interesting because when somebody knows you're right and they know they have a problem or they know they've been wrong, they usually react with, with anger. That's why she got so angry. Because she knew you were right. She was defensive. She was defensive. I realized that the worst Women parts do of that me, the most. I do that the most. And by the way, I'm a very feminine guy. I know that. I grew yeah. up with like a sister. Yeah. I had a lot of girls around me. During COVID, I was locked up with six girls. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Turns out, so sensitive afterwards. <laughs> Everything was hurting my feelings. Everything. You are who you hang out with, bro. You know how many times I'd be like, how dare you? And then I was like, all right, I need to chill the fuck out. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like I, I always wanted to conversate about shit. Like, how do you fucking feel about like, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, I realized maybe his feelings don't matter. And yeah. I need to move the fuck on. Yeah. Uh, but I <laughs> really funny. Uh, okay, so we circle back to the leader of the house. Okay, what else is the foundation of a good home? How can a man who doesn't have a father, yep. who's made mistakes, who, who hears your voices, now you move the anger, can now properly understand the language of love, yep. that you're coming from a loving place. Yep. He understands. What's his first step? Well, I believe in actionables. In fact, actionables is probably the word I type the most on my phone. Actionable? Maybe, yeah. Maybe if I press A, actionable comes up. Because when someone tells me anything, my answer is actionable. So they come along and they say, Andrew, the Matrix is attacking you. They're deciding they're going to print a new story saying you've done X, Y, Z, and you're going to be accused of X, Y, Z, da, da, da. I don't like, oh my God, that's terrible. Why would they do that? Da, da. Pointless. Completely actionable. What do we do about it? What can we do about it? If nothing can be done, then let's just put it in the this is going to happen bank and let's consider it for future moves and let's stop talking about it. Mm. If something can be done, what can be done? Who's going to do it? How long is it going to take? All I care about is actionables. So when I talk to people at home and I have all these young guys, I get thousands of emails a day, thousands of DMs a day. People go to my website, corporatetape.com, they message the live chat all day, every day looking for help. 
How do I sit and try and explain the very nuanced and complicated subjects of life and masculinity to 16-year-olds who I've never met in a nation that might be completely different to mine geographically, politically, and socially? And I believe you do that by giving them actionables, giving them things you can do. So I sit here and I say, and when I preach the things I preach, I want people to understand why I've chosen them. I don't think anyone's life will get worse if they train hard and get stronger. I don't see how your life can detriment from that. Uh, maybe, maybe you could find some extreme scenario, but as a general rule to everybody, go gym, you're a weakling, go get strong. Yes. I think that's a good general point. Same thing. So with, first is to fix your temple. First point. Absolutely. The first point is to improve your body. It's the first thing you can do. So when you're asking me the man who has no father and he wants to live a good, righteous life inside of his home, I don't know all of his background. I don't know his capabilities. I don't know his mental state. I don't know where he lives. I don't know anything, but I know that if he gets stronger, he'll stand a better chance of doing it because you also learn mental discipline by doing that, which is also a good thing to learn. When I teach people saying, listen, you need to go become as rich as possible. The reason I'm doing that is not just so that you make money, which is the time and energy of other people. It's also all the lessons you'll learn along the way. You're going to learn how to manage people, manage staff, manage stress. You're going to learn how to talk confidently and go to meetings. You're going to learn how to be organized and on time. You're going to learn how to be punctual. You'll learn a bunch of things if you learn how to make money. So I say you need to go get as much money as possible and become as strong as possible because I believe if you do those two things and start to succeed in them, you can extrapolate and take all of the lessons from those two things and apply it to anything, including a relationship. It takes discipline for a relationship. It takes commitment for a relationship. It takes People get lazy when they get in a relationship. Absolutely. So if you're a disciplined person who always goes to the gym, if you're good at managing stress and controlling your temper from high pressure business meetings, both of those things will apply to your relationship and make you better at running a household. 100%. So that's why I teach the two things I core teach. I teach in fact, I teach three things, but I teach... Well, even the body, just to circle back, uh, you have muscles. I can yeah. see that. Did you ever feel pain from growing those muscles? Absolutely. Yeah, it hurts. So that's also a factor of it. And I agree with you. I think a lot of people uh, that feel like that that when, once they take themselves from I feel like shit to like, oh, I feel fucking great, they realize they could put that energy other places. Yeah. So I agree with you. Yep. And the third thing I teach, which I think is extremely important and lacking in the world today, is brotherhood. I think that men have always kept men accountable. You just talked about living in a house with six women and how it changed you. Imagine you lived with six warriors. Destroyed me. Imagine you lived with six men who were training for UFC fights. Imagine the men. Dude, dude. No, so this happened. I swear to you this happened. I was, I told God, I go, God, I, I reflected, this is a problem. Randomly, one of my friends from Chicago, yep. this motherfucker is deep in the ghetto of Chicago. Yep. So when I mean a man, like you look at, he's six, five, you look at him the wrong way, he'll eat you. Yep. The energy he has is I'm going to get it done. My word's my word. Yep. And I'm going to be at the gym at this time. I'm going to be there, blah, blah, yep. blah. He came in the gym. Guess what? I can't miss gym no more that's right why what the fuck's wrong with you that's right i was up at six you slept until 12 you can't go to the fucking gym and now i'm sitting here being like yeah he's fucking right i probably should be in the gym yeah. so it does push me yeah it it, it, it he, you know what we need we need um i, I love uh when, when i play i'm sorry i'm losing the word yeah. but when uh competitiveness yep i love being competitive absolutely i Mascul love being masculine accountability and you know what else is is with men because men are different than women. You talked about how you lived with women. They were all talking about feelings, etc. You know what's a fantastic motivator for men? Shame. I'm telling you now, it works. Shame. If, I, if I'm around my house and someone was getting fat and all of us were to go, you're a fat fuck. What are you eating that for? I guarantee they'd train. Shame works with men. 
And you talk about this, and this is the reason I promote brotherhood. The reason I am the man I am is not just because I'm so fantastic. It's because I even now to this day live with six men. I live with my fight coach. I live with my brother. I live with some of my old friends I've had for 20 years. We live in this big ass compound, this huge house. If I wake up and my brother has been training an hour and a half, I feel so annoyed and angry and guilty that I have to go and beat him now. So that competitiveness keeps us constantly at edge. People say me and Tristan, me and Tristan are best friends and our brotherhood is fantastic, but it is based on competitiveness. But we don't compete against each other. We compete to prove to each other we're a good teammate in the battle against the Matrix. How do you get there? Because I've seen a lot of men get torn up by that. Yeah. So how do you, how do you get to a healthy way where we're competitive, but it's not going to destroy our relationship? Well, you have to understand that there's enough outside enemies. You have to put your ego aside and say, look, there's enough people who already want me dead we're the same blood. Can't we at least unite against all the people who want me dead? I want you. I'm in competition with you, Tristan. I want you. I want to beat you to prove to you I'm a fantastic teammate to you as opposed to I want to beat you because I don't like you. And it's a different mentality. And we'll sit there and my brother and I are in constant, endless competition, but it keeps us sharp. So masculine competition is super important, which is why it's the third thing I teach, which is brotherhood. You are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. If you find some guys who have their game right, your game's going to get straight. It's as simple as that. And I think if you take any man on the planet in any situation, in any scenario, and you tell him to become as strong as possible because of all the lessons he's going to learn, become as rich as possible because of all the lessons he's going to learn, plus obviously being strong and rich are benefits, plus find a network of brotherhood of men who are accountable to themselves and by extension accountable to you. If you're accountable to yourself as a man, you're also accountable for your friends. I don't want loser friends. I don't want dickhead friends. If I had a guy I really liked and he started being a dickhead, I'd try very hard to fix him. And if I couldn't fix him, I wouldn't be his friend anymore. I'd say, stop that. We don't do that. Why are you doing that? What are you crying about again? Why are you acting that way? Come on, let's go train. I don't want to train. But we always train. Come on, let's go. And then after a while, I'd be like, he doesn't train anymore. Get him out. Bye. Go, go, go get eaten by wolves. That's the unfortunate reality of the world because I'm the sum of the five people I spend the most time with. I don't want to wake up one day feeling terrible and going, ah, oh, but he's missing the day and I might miss the day. He'll, his poison will get in my brain. I have to resist it. So if you get a brotherhood, masculine brotherhood, and you're accountable for yourself and for them, you're going to be able to do nearly anything. I've conquered the whole world with those three things. All I do is train as hard as possible, try and make as much money as possible, and I have men around me doing the same thing. You train every day? Every single day, seven days a week. You don't give yourself a rest. Zero. I don't believe in rest. I rest. Ex explain that. I rest when I'm asleep. I rest when I'm sleeping. Okay, you explained it. Thank yeah, you. There you go. <laughs> that I mean, was, uh, that was I so fucking quick. I didn't, I, I didn't like, he's sharp, dude. He knew what he was saying. What up, you clean ass gentlemen? This video is sponsored by Manscaped. Now, I actually love this brand because I use it every day, and my friends always bug me for this product. But let's unveil the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This is the fifth generation trimmer. Features two next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for you taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. We also have a dual LED spotlight to provide contrast on multiple skin tones, three length setting combs, and oh, did I forget to mention that this trimmer is waterproof too. Also inside of this package features the Weed Whacker, 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop soothing toner, and two free gifts. The Weed Whacker 2.0 also features the skin safe technology that helps prevent nicks, snacks, tugs in those delicate holes. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use my code George at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with my code George at manscaped.com. I promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship. Get yours today from our folks at Manscaped. I'm asleep. And, and, and there's going to be some 
dork who's going to watch this, some nerd is going to sit there and say, your muscles grow when you rest. Da, da, da. I train because I don't want to train. I don't train because I care about getting the biggest possible muscles. I'm on zero steroids. I'm on zero drugs. I don't take protein. I don't take creatine, nothing. I eat steak and airheads and smoke cigars, but I train <laughs> every day because I don't want to, because it hurts. I train to teach myself a lesson, to punish myself. Because if I wake up and the first thing I have to do is two hours of exercise I don't want to do, by the time it's done, I don't feel happy. I'm proud of myself. Thank God that's over. Do you I wake up early it? or no? Not really. I wake up I, 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 9, 10. I stay awake till like 3 or 4. I don't sleep that much. Because I sleep, I sleep very late. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be vulnerable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my problems and see, sure. like, just beat me to death with them and figure out Ready? a way out. All right, yeah. let me sit up straight. <sighs> okay. Um, I, I took on accountability, right, for those other things that I was dealing with. Yep. Made me gain weight, depressed, couldn't. Uh, I, I had a problem saying no, and I had a problem walking away from people that I love. Yep. Handled that. Right now, there's this thing on my table. It's called marijuana. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm addicted. I have an addictive personality, but I use it to my advantage because if I'm addicted to something and nobody else could tell, I've never had a problem with it because I've never had something that was bad for me because yep. everything that I've ever wanted was good for me. And that's good to carry me through those days that I don't want to do it because mm -hmm. I'm addicted to it. So I'm just like hammering it out. Um, marijuana for me is my break because my brain just goes off. Yep. So at night I like to unwind and smoke a little bit. Yep. Um, I'm scared that it took over my life where I can't even, like if I go one day without it, I have gone a few days without it because I can't yeah. even smoke here. Yeah. And it doesn't affect me anymore that way. Yeah. But I, it's, my dad said this, he goes, you have a problem with moderation. Yeah. Should I just give it up completely, marijuana completely, just go through the bitch of it, get rid of it, or should I teach myself moderation with it? Well, then you have to, I, I also don't have any, like, I don't drink, yeah. I don't go to clubs. I never even like going to clubs when I was single. Yeah. I, it just doesn't entertain me. I don't have like an outlet. I don't even smoke cigars, yeah. but I'm opening up a cigar lounge with my dad in nice. Arizona. Shout nice. out 24th Street, a cigar lounge. That's actually pretty cool. But I don't even fucking smoke. I did it to honor my dad. Nice. It's me and my dad's thing. Okay. Smoking's the only thing where I can hang back and just fucking chill, dude. Yeah. Should I feel guilty about this? Should I get rid of it? How do you feel about it? It's an interesting question. But then you have to analyze what you're doing it for because even the reason you just described to me would put me off doing it because we're obviously different people. But you said it stops your brain working at a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. That's a, that's a gift. Why would you want to turn your brain off? Think of all the thoughts you haven't had. Think of all the things you, could, you haven't done that you could have done. Why do you want to relax and chill so badly? Why do you want your brain working at optimum efficiency all the time? Why don't you read the dictionary? Learn another language. Why don't you start another business? Why do you want to chill? I, I, that's the first you thing. Don't you don't chill, dude? Never. So that's the first thing you have to do is analyze. Shit. First thing you analyze is. You don't chill before bed? Never. What do you do before I'm bed? I'm working to the second I fall asleep. No shot. No, I'm like, I'm like one of those toddlers who falls asleep halfway through. I just, I don't, I don't think, oh, it's late. I better sleep. No, if I'm awake, I'm awake until I'm like, I really can't stay awake. And then I'll fall asleep. And, I'll, and, I'll and a go cigar doesn't, uh, doesn't affect you that way. No, I can smoke to the second I go to bed and I'm just instantly out. I mean, cigar, I, I don't smoke cigars. I actually smoke cigars because nicotine is good for your testosterone level. And I do not take steroids. That's why I smoke Nicotine is good for your testosterone? Correct. That's why I smoke a lot of cigars. So I smoke a lot of cigars and do a lot of cardio so that my lungs are Why don't are you fine. do steroids? I don't do steroids because I've never done them in my entire life. I was drug tested throughout my whole career and I'm now 36 and I don't do them. And my testosterone level is still huge. It's still very high. It's so that absolute upper limit of, of the natural. So you just gauge. don't need it. So I don't need it. But if you needed it, would you be pro for it or not? I mean, maybe if I get old, old, which is testosterone, testosterone replacement therapy, but I don't, I've never taken drugs and I don't like people who take steroids. And I'll tell you why it annoys me because I look like a much bigger monster if everyone else wasn't on steroids. It'd be cooler. <laughs> it pisses me off. I've done it the hard way and they're all just juicing. So I don't take steroids, but you've never smoked weed. No, never tried a drug in my life. 
And is that because you're scared of it because you have an addictive personality or like, is it because if I like, try cocaine and I don't like it, I'll regret trying it. If I try cocaine and I do like it, I'll start doing cocaine and I'll regret trying it. Damn. So why my do man cocaine? reflected on that? So why do cocaine? So never tried cocaine. I've never tried weed, never tried a pill, never tried ecstasy, never taken a I've never tried anything besides uh, nothing. I, I'm drinking alcohol and I smoke cigars. That's it. But so, so your your alcohol is like my marijuana. Then I quit alcohol a year and a half ago. So well, I then what the fuck? Then? I haven't. How would you even bring it up? I got so excited. About I used to, I used to, I used to drink alcohol, and I haven't drank alcohol. When did you either. drink though? When you're unwinding? No, I used to drink because uh, a year and a half ago I quit alcohol cold turkey. Instantly. Were you like a drunk, or were you just absolutely like- not? I was extremely effective. It was at the time when I was most famous. I was doing Nelk Boys. I was drinking alcohol when I had all those things on TikTok. When I first blew up, everything I used to drink alcohol all the time, and I used to probably drink every day because I have a lot of money and I have a fun life. And we jump on the jet and we drink vodka and we get off and we all these girls. We go to the club. And we drink vodka. You just drink. I didn't have, never had a problem with it. Never suffered with it. Never got out of shape from it. It was fine. And then I decided. I'm going to live many different versions of reality. And I've spent a year now partying basically every day and it's been great, but now I want to live a sober life and see what happens. So I just instantly quit. I blinked and cl- cured my brain. I could quit smoking instantly if I decided. I could blink and cure so, my brain. Oh, okay. I could just do this. So but to answer your question, which you initially asked, the first thing is what you've told me marijuana does for you. I don't understand why you want it. Because here's the thing. I, I want to unwind. It is my time to unwind. So for example, if I'm playing Unwind four- when you're asleep. But I'm playing Fortnite. What the fuck do I need my brain for? for to Fortnite? win! To win! It's a battle! You have to destroy your enemies! What do you mean to sit there and just lose? Do you, do you play video games yet or no? Sometimes when I was on house arrest, I started playing Super Smash Brothers. What about Fortnite? No, I don't play Fortnite. No. Okay, would you ever drop in with me? Only if I... Listen, if I start playing Fortnite... And I lose. I'm going to end up being the best Fortnite player on the planet. And I've got more construct because I can't take the L. And I've got more constructive things to do with my time. Just drop in once in the big round. No, I can't do it. We'll play, we'll play Super Smash Brothers. I'll get Kirby and I'll beat your ass. I don't know what Super Smash Brothers. I'm not. That old. little piece of gum is going to mess you up. It's like an airhead. Just fear, fear this picture because it's coming for you. Look, what is a gum? You don't know what Kirby is? No. I Bro, watched- you're smoking too much weed. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, what weed does for you, I don't know why you want it. That's the first thing. Second thing I'll say is this. I don't know whether you should quit or not. I appreciate but, you being honest. I don't. But the fact that you struggle to understand whether you could or not, I believe is a problem. So for me, right? Should I quit cigars? Well, I don't think so. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. Whatever. But I know I could without a single drop of hesitancy. I could instantly quit. So you I should for, know. I forgot to mention one important thing. Sure. Uh, when I was in high school, never touched it because I was, I was trying to get to where I was. Yeah. High school? I'm in college? I don't know how you like this. What do you mean, bro? I'm so glad I don't like it because it's not... Fuck that brand deal. Oh, God. It's so much like a... Taste? Flavor? Brilliance? Sure. Excitement? I want this out of my mouth. E-numbers. College, I never had the party theme. I never did none of that shit. Uh, I feel like right now in my life, I have no kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't. I'm, 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 I don't have sh- like certain things where I need my brain to be on twenty four seven. I know when I have kids, there's no shot I'm gonna be able to do that. Yeah. I see a good window of opportunity, and I'm just scared that one day when I'm like waking up at three o'clock in the morning because I have kids or like all this shit, I'll be like, I should have enjoyed my time where I was like less responsibility. Yeah. Uh, this is why I smoke now because I know there's going to be a time as soon as my mind goes there, I'm going to be able to walk away. And I've also, in the past few years, I'll give myself 60 to 90 days off to make sure I'm not addicted to it. So I've already trained my body to like, so could you quit now instantly if you decided to? 100%. I've done it many times. Okay. Well then, then you have, then you don't have that big of a problem. So if you could quit, then it doesn't matter. 
But if you were to sit and go, I don't know if I could quit, then you'd have to quit. Okay, now I have the most important question of the day. Sure. How do you feel about bottom G? Huh. Um. Because, dude, dude, if you got up and danced like that, man, I think you would, I think everybody would just agree with you. I think that's what would happen. I think everybody in the world would be like, you know what? We need to fucking listen to this man. Yeah. Look at his hips. Yeah. Have you ever looked in the mirror and brushed your teeth and been like, and just try to dance like him ever? Be honest. No. I've seen, I've seen a couple of his videos and... Uh, are you offended or are you just like, it doesn't make you laugh? What is it like? I mean, he's made a brand off of my brand. Dude, it's so funny, bro. When I it is it, funny. I mean, he can dance. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to the guy. I have nothing against the guy. I mean, he can dance and he's, he, he, he bought a nice jacket like mine. I mean, can, I hope he does well. I had to ask that. I'm yeah. so sorry. No I was literally writing like the dumbest question. I wrote some questions that are just, when I mean seriously stupid. All right, I'm ready. Because I was like, I have to ask some fun questions. And I literally labeled them fun questions. Sure. And I just want to get through that. Let's do and it. And then we can jump back into the deep ones. Let's do it. Okay. The first one was, how do you feel about bottom G? You yeah. answered that. Uh, thank you for answering that. No problem. Uh, okay. Uh, I already asked that one. Actually, it was the Sneeko and uh, Zerka. Yeah. That was actually part of my fun questions. Okay. Uh, okay. Two brothers, one cage. Jake Logan, you Tristan. Who comes out alive? You know what? I'm trying so hard to not start internet beats. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying not to. I'm, I'm, you could say Jake and Logan, man. Bro, Don't worry about I, it. No, I can't lie. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm going through life. I'm trying to live peaceful now. I've got Fed agents in my house. Matrix is after me. I'm, I'm just trying to live peaceful. But of course, I have absolute faith in myself and my brother, and I know what we've been through, and I know the kind of men we are. Okay. I just had to ask, you know? There's some... I understand. Okay. Now, you're away on a long trip, yep. and you have to leave your daughter with three people. Okay. Candace Owens, Patrick Bed-David, Donald Trump. Okay. Well, I'll choose Candace because she's a woman. I trust them all. That makes sense. I trust them all. But... Do you have a son? I have a lot of children. I don't, I don't say how many, but a, a lot. You just have a flock. Yeah. If I had a son, then it'd be, it'd be if, if it was my son, it would be Patrick or Donald. Yeah. It'd okay, be hard but, to but you had to pick for the son. Then I'd pick Patrick because I think Patrick also has young sons and it'd be good. I think it's good He's competition. He's a great father, bro. Yeah. And it'd be good for them all to be together and like wrestling and fighting and dude, you know, dude, boxing. He, fuck, man. He's master being a dad. Yeah. After our podcast, I went to his house, had dinner with him and his father. Yeah. Bro. I'm for him and his family, bro. I was like mesmerized, and I was so so eager to have that life, dude. He oh, yeah. has a great life, bro. No, there's no, there, there's nothing better in life than children. You'll never regret children. No matter, you can say I don't feel ready. I don't know that when they turn up, you'll be glad you did it. The only regret you'll have is that you didn't start earlier. Really? Hundred percent. I'm starting to catch that fever, bro. Bro, I don't. I, I hate when people talk about their kids. Like I don't give a fuck about your kids, bro. Yeah. Like they get so excited talking about their kids. But lately, I started. That's why you got to be hear. like me. See, I have no real. I don't. I don't talk to anybody. So I don't have any friends besides my guys who know me. And none of us talk about our kids. None of us. Yeah, I agree with you. It's boring. It's <laughs> yeah, it's like look at this picture. Like, fuck off. <laughs> I barely want to talk to you, guy. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so you don't hang out with people, but you're always on this hunt to change and build yourself and build. I, I have the same five people I'm with every day. What's your fun? What do you do for fun? But this is a question. So now let's look at this. Okay. What? Let me ask you. Okay. What is fun? Fun is when you're in. Tell me something fun. Something fun? I think this is fun. Except this is work. True. Okay. What's fun? Okay. Fun is when you're having a lot of joy and less work. But what if you have joy during your work? I do have joy when I work. So do I. 
I love working. All I do is work. And people say, why do you mean all you do is work? Because but there's, you enjoy nothing, what you're doing. there's nothing else to do anyway. The only time I'm not working is if I'm fighting, which you can still consider work because I consider it training. Or sometimes I'll drive one of my 53 cars in a circle. I'll go out racing around the mountains in a Ferrari, but I'll film it all and it'll end up be on the internet. So it'll so end up work. being work. Yeah. So what do I do that's not work that I enjoy? I mean, I look at people who are having fun and those are the people who I don't believe are chasing pride or chasing happiness. And I feel like they're wasting their lives. Trying to have fun, trying to be happy is the biggest waste of life. You know what I saw the other day? It's, it's remarkable. You're not going to believe this. I saw thousands of people take drugs and stand close to each other in a big sweaty pit, like a bunch of peasants, and jump up and down listening to a song they could listen to on YouTube for free. And they paid money to do it. It was called a festival, and it was disgusting. And I see these humans stand there. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? No wonder you're fucking broke. You're an idiot. You're, you're dumb as fuck. You're a moron. Like, festivals are crap. Concerts are crap. Clubs are crap. What's fun? Nothing's fun. The only thing that's fun is masculine achievement and being respected for being monumentally successful and competent and crushing your enemies with your brut brutal brilliance. Turning up and saying, I'm going to make more money than all of you. I'm going to be more famous than all of you. I'm the best. Watch me. And winning. That is fun. And then the well, only thing... That's video games, but you're doing it in real life. I'm doing it in real life. I have no time for games. House arrest, we found a few hours. Now I'm back out here in the real world. Everyone must pay the price. But even then, the only things that I find fun now, the only thing I do for fun is, okay, I'll take my SF90 around. Circle. That's a $700,000 car. My fun's expensive. I need a lot of money to even find anything I find remotely entertaining. A beautiful friend of mine, she's in Bali, and she's like, I can't wait to her free. We're going to go to Bali, look at this villa. Da, da, da. I'm like, if I went to that villa, do you know what I would do? I was like, what are you doing there? She's like, oh, I'm doing yoga, and I had breakfast, and then I'm looking at the forest, and we're going to go see the monkeys. Da, da. So if I went to Bali, do you know what I'd do? I'd sit on my laptop. I would turn up at the villa and go, which room's mine? Okay. Laptop. Coffee, please. Coffee, laptop. It'd be the same as Romania in <laughs> Bali. And when I go to Dubai, it's the same. That's what I do. I work. And I want to make this very clear to people because I find it amazing when people say they don't have motivation. I have people come to me and say, I want to get rich. I don't have motivation. I want to work harder. I said, how can you not have motivation to get rich when somebody like me with a head start like mine is still working 18 hour days every single day, seven days a week without having a day off? I'm going to crush you. You don't stand a chance. I will beat you. And you're just going to sit there and perpetually lose because you can't find the motivation to crawl up out the mud and stay a bug until you end up in your 15 minute city getting your 17th injection like a dummy, like a useless eater. All I do is work. Nothing is fun. I don't have fun. You I don't even understand. Sports? I don't understand the concept of fun. The only sport I ever did was beating the shit out of people. Is that fun? Why did you get into fighting? Because I was a chess player. And chess and fighting are remarkably similar. Very. You have to know what your next move is going to be countering his next move. And there's no luck. If you lose, you made a mistake. There's no such thing as a lucky punch. If, if I'm losing a fight or if I'm beating some guy up, and he hits me with one shot and knocks me out. And people go, that's a lucky punch. He's trained his whole life to punch people in the face and he punched me in the face. You call that lucky? I call that good. I think it was a very good punch. Excellent. Probably his best punch of his career. No such thing as lucky punches. Same thing with chess. If and you also lose, you left your guard down. Absolutely. It's my fault. Same thing with chess. Brutal self-accountability. If you lose, you made a mistake somewhere. How do you learn that? You have to go back, reflect. You have to watch the game back, play the game back. Where did I make the mistake? You don't blame your opponent. You blame yourself always in chess. It's self-accountability. So when I stopped playing professional chess, I decided to move over to fighting because they're very similar. It's one-on-one. -on -one, it's not a team sport. So that's why I chose to fight. But I never considered fighting fun. I never took it as, ha, 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 this is fun. I was out to hurt people, for real. So I can't think of what I do for fun or any fun I've ever had. 
I'm, I am, of course, human. I love sitting around with my boys and laughing. I don't think there's any higher experience for men than sitting around with your boys having a laugh and having a joke. I think that's as good as life gets. You can have a billion dollars like me, or you can be at the bottom. But if you're with five people you truly love, your guys, and you've been with them and you trust them, and you're smoking a cigar or not, and you're sitting around telling stories and everyone's laughing, that's as good as life gets. It at really the, is. At the top of the bottom. On jet or... The, on the jet or, or homeless. And in the, in the, in the, in the trenches. It doesn't matter what... Yeah, on the jet, all you do is that. And, yeah. and at the bottom, all you do is that. So that's as good as life gets anyway. So I'll, I'll consider that fun. I mean, I guess I do like road trips. I like to drive around Europe from Spain to France to Italy. And, and get Are you allowed to do that now? Not now. Last summer, we got a bunch of Ferraris together, 10 Ferraris, and we raced all across Europe. And that was fun. But we filmed it all, so it's still kind of work. But yeah, I don't even... But you put yourself in a position where all your fun could be work. Of course. But my point is, I don't understand or I don't fathom the concept of fun. I don't wake up and think, what can I do for fun? I don't wake up and think, what is fun? I want fun. That never crosses my mind. I wake up and think, I have things to do. And if I don't have things to do, I'll find things to do. You can always do more work. You can, there's no such thing as no work to do. After this podcast is done, you can release it. And you can make X amounts of clips. That's going to be done. And then you could watch it back and you could analyze every word you've ever said. And you could find a way to say it differently. You could look at a dictionary and find new words. And you could learn them and you can memorize them all. Then you could sit down and you could rehearse it and use those words and sentences to make sure you pr pronounce them correctly and you don't make any mistakes. Then you could always do more work from the same thing. The work is never ending. The money is never ending. So you have to find joy in your work. I, I, you have to find purpose at least. I don't know if I even find joy in my work because I'm stressed and annoyed. I'm furious all the time. What do you mean we've made $1.3 million today? It's a joke. <laughs> Flip the computer. But it's, it's, you, have, you have to conquer the earth. Why, why? Let's talk about this. Why did Genghis Khan wake up and think, you know what? What can I do for fun? Well, I can play this instrument. That shit. Play the instrument for me. Boring. Okay, let me fuck this girl. Fucked her. Let me fuck her. Oh, kid number 84. Boring. What's it to do? You know what? You know what, guys? Let's all get our horses and let's just ride over there and whatever we find, let's just take it. Why? Because it's the, the instinct to conquer. It's inside of a man. It's been dumbed down by the matrix. They try and numb you. They numb you with entertainment. They try and put you in the festival crowd. They numb you with shit food. They numb you with depression, all this other garbage. But truthfully, if you're a man, you look in the mirror, what will make me happy? My empire will make me happy. That's why Alexander the Great did what he did and Julius Caesar did what he did and Genghis Khan did what he did. They didn't have Google Maps. They didn't know where they were going. They just said, no, we've decided we're gonna go take shit from other people and show we're the best. And that's what we're doing now, the successful men at least, in a financial sense. Why am I making money? I have nothing to buy. There's nothing to buy. <laughs> I have it all. I have four Kernan's eggs, a Rimac, a Bugatti, 53 other cars, 40 properties. There's nothing to buy. I'm just taking it from other people. I'm winning the game. I'm conquering. And that's what I think truly is going to give you purpose in life. It's just conquest. Men have always been this way. That's why war was even happening in the first place. The Mongols raided Vienna. How long does it take to ride from Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, on a horse to Vienna, Austria, across all of Siberia? And they were still mad enough and bored enough to go, now nah, we need that city over there. That's the masculine essence. And it's been numbed down inside of people. Do you think they were ever considering fun at any point during this conquest? Because I don't think they were. 
Well, do you think they were just trying to dominate others? I don't think it's about trying to dominate. I think that inside of every single man, there's a, a God given. I think that the entire world was built by this God-given drive to conquer. And to conquer doesn't always mean dominate others. You can conquer the sky by building a skyscraper. You can, you can conquer by building roads. You can conquer by construction, not only by destruction. You conquer by turning up to a new territory and having a beautiful family and creating children. I think that's inside of every single man. I think it's been dumbed down by the matrix, but I'm uninterested in fun. I don't understand the concept of fun. Fun is for women and children. All the women around me have fun. Last night, Last night, I went to a restaurant. My brother and I, three or four friends, maybe 25 of the most beautiful women you've ever seen in your life. We sit down at this table, all this fancy food comes, all these bottles of champagne come, everyone comes, the girls are laughing, drinking, everyone's having fun. Never at any point during the entire experience did I have any fun. I <laughs> sat down on my phone, checked how much money I had, again, did some work, Replied to important people, spoke to my fight coach about training and important things, spoke to the war room about important things and conquest, spoke to my legal team. Everyone around me is having fun. I'm getting things done. Looks like I'm having fun. But never did I ever for a second feel fun. And I didn't want to. I didn't try and join in the fun. I didn't try and go, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I pay for it all. You all have fun. I'm going to do this. And I say this, there's a, I say this all the time to the people I care about. Your life is fun and my life is stress, but you are mine. That's how it works. You're my woman, so you're allowed to have fun. And my life is going to stay stress, but you are mine. I have my fun via proxy by making sure everybody I love have fun. I don't want any fun. So you have fun in providing. I provide fun, but I don't have any fun. I don't even have fun in providing fun. It's just my obligation. Everyone around me has fun. I'm working. And I cannot explain does to people Tristan, at home. Does Tristan have the same mindset of this? Or does he like to have more fun? He likes to have a little bit more fun than I do. You I might can have, see that he looks a little bit happier. But it's not happy. This is the point. I want to make this very clear to the people at home. I don't want anyone at home to think that I'm unhappy or depressed or miserable from this. I, this is just how I view the world. I don't, I don't want to have fun. I don't know how else to say it. I don't look at fun and go, I'm missing out. I look at fun and going, I'm glad they're enjoying their fun. It's like food. Do you want this cake? No. Well, everyone else wants it. I'm glad they want the cake. Cake tastes good. It's great. But I don't want the cake. I want something else. I will provide the cake. I'm a baker. I can give you cake, but I don't want any. I don't think in the concept of fun. I don't enjoy fun ever. All I want to do is monumentally achieve endlessly. That's all I'm interested in. So we went to your past. We figured out why you were built like this. Um, we talked about the dilemma and the obstacles that you've overcome. We talked about moving into the next season. What do you feel is your next season? And also, I don't know if this parlays, but the training, talking to your trainer, and your, your training as much as how I see Jake train for his fights, why? Are you preparing for a legitimate fight? Are you wanting to go back into that? Or do you feel like the world fight's already big enough and you don't need to go back into the cage for that. Yeah, a lot of it depends on what happens with this matrix attack in regards to fights, but I'm always ready, and I've always stayed ready. So I could fight tomorrow. I'm, I'm that ready. But um, I enjoy it, and I enjoy feeling ready. Even though the process is suffering, I enjoy to feel ready at all times, hence why I'm per always training. In regards to what the next stage is, well, I have personal goals as well, outside of my internet goals and my career goals. And this is actually something very interesting I want to tie back into our earlier conversation. 
when we were talking about monogamy and poly, 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 polyamory and all these other things. Because it's my goal to have as many children as possible. Is it so you could have your offsprings deliver your message or because you just want kids? You I want feel, like mini disciples running around and being like, if you have, an, em- if you have, you have an empire, you need heirs, right? Yep. If you have a large empire, you need a lot of heirs, right? Mm-hmm. So I want at least 25 children. So what do you think? Oh, you're trying to be Nick Cannon out here. Yeah. So what do you think from a religious perspective about someone who is destined on having as many children as possible, but obviously to do that, he would need more than one woman. Do you still think that's a sin? Ooh. Um, well, I think putting your needs above God's is a sin. So you need 25 kids. It's interesting. Is it my needs? Is it selfishness? Well, you just said you were like, well, God, is it, you knew that it was a be against God because well, I, I God just well, wants I, you to have actually, one woman. Perfect. To be honest with you, I've never read the Bible cover to cover. So I don't know if it is. Spoiler alert. One man, one woman. Yeah. Sounds like a bar- but, boring but, book. But you know why <laughs> he does that? It's, it's, to, it's to preserve society. No, it's just to demonstrate your relationship with him. Because once you stop, you love, okay, think about this, right? Yep. You love a woman yep. and you provide a family, yep. a covenant, yep. a kingdom. But then you get to the point where you're like, I need more. This is what Adam did with God. I need more. Don't you feel like, let me answer, ask the question from another way. Don't you think the good people and the intelligent people of earth need to be having kids at least at the same rate as the idiots? I mean, we have a population. No, no, <laughs> no is, it's a great question. And we can also look at this. We can take it away from the religious argument and look at it another way. We yeah. have a serious population crisis in the West. If you want to, I don't know if you know about this, but there's a huge demographic collapse incoming. And the reason we have these mass numbers of immigration is, and the reason our cultures are collapsing is because we no longer reproduce at the, at the basic rate of sustaining a population. Mm-hmm. So two people are supposed to have 3.7 kids on average for the population to increase. Mm-hmm. But how many people do you know with four children? Very rare. None. So two people have one kid, population goes down. Two people have two kids, population still goes down because people die. People die in car crashes, these kinds of things. So we have huge problems from a socioeconomic point of view because you now have people living longer because of medicine. They have longer pensions, longer retirements. They need to be paid for. You're supposed to have a huge tax base of young people working. We don't have anyone having enough children to sustain the tax base. So what the people in charge of the world are doing is saying, okay, well, then we need to import third worlders to sustain this entire pyramid scheme we have, this Ponzi scheme of you working your ass off so you can retire later. We need to import third worlders who are going to work for pennies and they'll pay taxes so we can sustain it. But that's why all the cultures are collapsing. Mm. So you look at this very interesting. A Christian country is now being invaded by Muslims and third worlders and you're losing your Christian identity because you don't have enough children to sustain the population yeah. because you're only allowed one woman. Got it. So this is an interesting point. Whereas a Muslim man can have four wives and 16 kids and, just pump them out. and they can survive and protect their identity and their culture and their religion. So it's actually very interesting. And before I let you answer only one country solved this hungary hungary is a christian nation and victor orban is one of the smartest world leaders on the planet he abolished income tax for any family that has more than four children and he's fixed the population crisis and the population is increasing because people are getting married and having kids hungary's fixed it no other nation has fixed it because you can't even afford to have four or five children because they're decimating you and destroying the currency and they're just doing all this matrix propaganda on purpose anyway so Besides Hungary, every other Western nation is now importing the Islamic world to sustain itself because Christian nations can't reproduce. So it's interesting what you said. I agree with what you said, but it's also the 
the death throes of Christianity. Christianity is about to be decimated because of that. Because what do you have without people? Uh, you want my answer? Yeah. Okay. First, sure. would you like more coffee? <laughs> yeah, I'll have two more coffees, please. Can we get two more coffees? Thank you. You want some more coffee? Sure. Read? Sure. Please, get my men coffee. <laughs> okay, my answer is this. Never in the day of age did we ever have the power to talk to a mass group of people since the internet. Yep. So ironically, we're running into this problem of less of our people, yep. but we also have the gift of reaching out to more people. Correct. So another household could have five kids, but who's to say that I can't encourage them to have my morals and standpoints? Absolutely. You, you could, you could, you so could I don't have. Need, I don't need to procreate. I need to provide and educate. That's very interesting point of view. But then you also, this brings us into the Islam versus Christianity argument. And I want to make it very clear to the world that I am not anti-Christian in any way. Most of my family is Christian. My brother is Christian. For a long time when I Tristan, first... Tristan's Christian? Yeah, he's Christian. Cool. He's, when, he's happy and he has fun. Yeah, that's right. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps that's why. <laughs> when I first stopped being atheistic, I reverted or diverted to Christianity because it was all I knew. Because I was raised Christian. I went to church as a kid. It's all I knew. But... You're talking about the fact that, yeah, people can come into the nation, but if they become Christians once they arrive, then the Christian, Christian faith survives. Yeah. But I think that for that to happen, there would have to be some form of power gap or power vacuum, and it's not atheists which are arriving, and it's going to be very difficult to convince them out of Islam into Christianity, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I am not an Islamic scholar, and I don't consider myself knowledgeable on Islam. I'm new to the religion. I'm only a year in, and I'm studying as best I can, but there's a lot of people who know more than me. But from my understanding and my practices, Islam is very rigid and it's strict and you know what's right and you know what's wrong. Mm. And it provides solutions and answers in a very strict, non-ambiguous way. And I feel like if you live a difficult life, like we talked about earlier about why my fan base is so galvanized and why they believe in me, because I offer rigid solutions to problems. And if you come from a difficult place or you graze in a difficult country or a war zone, you're going to look for that rigidity. I don't think the softness of Christianity... And I don't say that as an insult. Mm. I just state that as a matter of fact. Will be appealing to people who have come from war zones. I, I just don't. I think it's going to be very difficult to convert them to Christianity. And and we're seeing now in the Western world huge proportions of Christian countries are now just becoming Islamic strongholds, and and they can't be penetrated or or changed. And, and okay, so but you're making it seem like a lot of people that uh, that worship Islam. They're very, very strict with their policies. There's no, a lot. No. There, there's a lot that I. And by the way, let me speak positively about Islam, so sure. people don't confuse my my nature. We're but, friends here, by the way, everyone. We're on the same. Yeah, I. I, I don't agree. speak for me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, Heathen. I, I, <laughs> uh, no, I actually, I, I really, 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 really respect Islam for yeah. one reason: the way they stand up for their God. Absolutely. And I actually take notes from them. Yep. So I don't want anybody. Here. In fact, my God is their prophet. Yep. So we do, right. we do see a lot of That's eye right. to eye. We just don't see the, the final destination of who God is. Correct. Um, but I definitely respect anybody in their, in their faith. And I think it's, I'd rather you have faith in a God than you have no faith in God at all. Agreed. So we're on the same plane field. Yeah. Okay. Um, but to say that Christians have values and they don't follow them, and Islam does, it's not true. I, I have many friends. For example, you're Islamic now, yeah. but you drink yeah. and you smoke. No, I don't drink. Not anymore, but there's a lot that I have friends with that do. Yeah. So the, the theory of them not following their rules is that's just a man. 
I don't think that's a religion. I think every man falls short. Yeah. I think I think this is the truth. I think an Islamic man that stands in front of me sins against God. And I think a Christian man sins against God. Oh, yeah. We're not perfect in any regard. Yeah. But let's tie back to something I said earlier. We're not perfect in any regard. And it's all down to how you once again measure the success of a religion. We talked earlier about measuring the success of a business and life numbers. being about money. Numbers, right? But why is numbers account when it comes to faith? I why, think it well, should be your, well, your that's faith. Well, that's it. It should be your faith. But faith is very intangible and hard to measure. So I'm, I'm just use, be using my limited human brain. Mm -hmm. Let's just try and measure the success of a religion. Well, the fastest growing religion is Islam. It's not the biggest. It's the fastest growing. Yeah. I think if you were to look at the insanity of the West, I think Islam opposes it hardest in regards to the, the pure insanity that is being inflicted upon and bestowed upon children in the West. I think Islam I want to say something, a compliment for them. What I, I do appreciate is that they, they, they don't let you cross bounds, right? So, for example, when they were making a mockery of my Lord and Savior— yeah. I didn't see Christians trying to tear down these movies. And I didn't see Christians trying to, hey, that's not okay, or blah, 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 right? Islamic people were like, you're not talking about our prophet like that. Correct. So I, I find that very beautiful. And I understand that they hold their values. But let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you not find that appealing? Very. Do you not find it appealing to be part of a religion where you get to stand up for what you really believe in and say, no, you can't say that. No, you won't do that. No, not to us. Yeah. I think they have beautiful qualities that I should learn from. Yeah, but that you doesn't mean that I have to worship their God. I mean, people often ask why I reverted to Islam, and I, I, I heard someone say something that you see life and you see other people as you see yourself. So if you're a thief, you think everyone's a thief. You're worried about everyone stealing from you because you would steal in their position. Mm. That's how you like view the world. That's how cheaters view. That's how cheaters view the world. That's right. And then I was sitting thinking, well, maybe, and of course. This just came from my mind. I said, well, maybe you see a religion how you see yourself. Like, I see myself as somebody who is feared nobody would want to mock. I see myself as somebody with strict standards and discipline. I see myself as somebody who stands up for what he believes in and doesn't care if he's assaulted and attacked for it. Mm. Maybe that's why it was so appealing to me. I, and then I, I'd sit and I'd study it and I'd read and I'd realize how close it actually is to Christianity. We believe in so many of the same things. And... I don't want to get in trouble here because I am not an Islamic scholar in any way, but I've had even other people say to me, some Christians who I spoke to who started to read the Quran, they're like, it's just condensed. It's like stronger. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what the appeal of it is to me. And I, I also like having hard yeses and nos. And I, I believe that if you have a religion where you just accept everything, yeah. then you believe in nothing. There has to be a line. In life, there has to be a line that you won't let someone cross. And with God, there should be the same. And my only concern with Christianity, and I, I argued this with my brother at length, is if God will really truly forgive anything, then, then, then if he'll truly forgive you doing the most heinous acts you can possibly think of, and, and you repeatedly do them, and you won't learn your lesson, and you'll do them over and over again, and even Christians themselves won't ostracize you, is that too far? Is that too much freedom? Like you asked earlier. I love this. So this is beautiful. It's actually in my notes. I was going to circle this with it. Um, let, me, let me just give me a second to make sure I word this properly. Absolutely. For, let's circle to forgiveness. Yeah. How many times should you forgive a man? Well, that's a really good question because we are sinners and we make endless mistakes. And the prophet that you see as Jesus, do you know what he talks about forgiveness as? Tell me. He's, Peter asks him, how many times should you forgive a man? And he says, seven times 77. And then he also describes the way judgment day comes. 
And he goes, you will be measured by the measurement that you gave others. So the way you looked at your brothers and sisters, that man wronged you, but you said, you're dead to me. You're, you're dead. I don't even want it. Yeah. That's how you'll be measured. Yeah. But here, let me circle back. Repentance isn't doing the same sin over and over and enjoying it and asking for forgiveness. That's why God doesn't judge your actions, like I said. He judges the reflection of your heart. Yeah. So if I sinned against you, there's two types of men. Andrew, dude, listen, I'm a police officer. Andrew, I messed up, dude. Like, I'm so sorry that I Correct. did this, dude. I didn't mean it. This is what happened. And you could see the stress in his eyes from him hurting you. Hey, dad, dad, I know you told me not to do this. And I was, I was with my friends. And, or, hey, Andrew, my bad, bro. Yeah, it won't happen again. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a difference. Of course there you is. You can't hide your heart from God. Absolutely. So I, that's why I say only God could judge. And I remember what I was going to say about uh, your God and my God, right? I believe that if there is a God out there, he wants you to come in the same direction that I'm going, yep. the vice versa. So I think I never want to uh, debate religion ever because then I'm trying to disprove your God and that might be holding your heart and I don't want to do that. I agree. But what we could do is I say, I'll pray to my God and you pray to your God to open up one of our eyes and hearts and whoever is wrong or whoever is right will guide us with wisdom to the right direction. I love that. And you know what? I kind of feel like when I'm talking to people of other religious faiths, and I, like I said, I have to be very careful. I'm not an Islamic scholar. And like you said, I don't want to ever insult Christians or insult other religious yeah. faiths. The only people I, have a, I like to argue with correctly and properly are atheists because they need to learn the light. Yeah, well, but I, I'll join. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like if, if there's one God, let's imagine there's one sentence, and it's the most beautiful sentence that you can possibly think of that can be constructed with the most compendious and, and gorgeous language that can be put together. I feel like the different religions are perhaps, di perhaps different languages to say the same thing. Yep. And you know, German sounds different to Russian, sounds different to English, but you can say it in different ways, but it all means the same thing. And I feel like that's the best way to look at it. And to a degree, the Quran also says the same thing. It says that we're a lot closer than we are apart. And I think when I meet somebody of another faith, I still feel happy for them. And I feel glad for them. It's only when I meet somebody who sits down and thinks they're a smart ass. Oh, no, we came from monkeys. I'm like, oh, bro, you need help. Those are the people I argue with. Uh, those people are more lost than ever. And here's the thing, man. Like, a lot of people will ask me, like, how do you forgive? Because forgiveness is such a, sometimes it gets so hard, especially when you know that that person wrongs you purposefully. Yep. Um, and my theory goes back to this. Forget the way I measure is the way he's going to measure me. Yep. But my God came and paid a penalty for me yep. because I couldn't pay that penalty. How can I look at another man knowing that every time I come on my knees and I say, God, like, provide me shelter, provide me safety, provide me this. And he always comes through for me. And then I wrong him. I walk. And by the way, this is the worst part. I walk into sin willingly, man. You think that I feel good having sex with my girlfriend? I do. That's besides the point. I felt I, I had to say I do because I do have I do yeah. I, I felt like I was gonna lie. And she's I watching. Do, I do have gra I have yeah. great time having sex, but afterwards it like it haunts me because we're not married. Yeah. Okay, that was a bad example. Let me take that out because that was a that's yeah. like, I'm walk. But you know what? No, that's true because I walk into that right. I walk into sin. That was my choice. I walked into it. Yeah. But God knows my heart. He knows what I'm dealing with. He knows my steps. Yeah. He hovers me because I ask Him to go before me. So He's making the path for me. Now, people, when they see me talk about God, they make it seem like I'm so holier than thou and I don't make mistakes. No, the beautiful part is 
I am an endless bucket of mistakes. We all are. But how gracious is God to be like, I get it, man. And I think the way we get out of sin and the blessings that are given to us, like you are blessed, but do you know why you are blessed? Because you were given the privilege of wisdom. Yeah. There's another top G somewhere else, same body, same brain, same yeah. everything, yeah. but he didn't have that wisdom and wisdom was given to you. Proverbs in the Bible was a king and he could have asked anything from God. And he goes, I just want wisdom. How does God give wisdom to you? How does he give wisdom to me? First, you got to seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open, right? So yeah. it's like, what are you asking for? For example, when I ask God to be in this meeting, right? I don't go, hey, God, please make sure I have a great, great podcast yeah. and I kill it and I get views. Yeah. No, nah, I go, God, hey, let me stir up a conversation that wakes up somebody's heart. But for me to do that, I need to be prepared. Yeah. So prepare me to be a man that could talk against a man who's very diligent with his tongue. I wasn't prepared for this. God made me prepare for Absolutely. this. So when I ask God for things, I don't get lazy with my prayers. I don't go, hey, God, make me a rich, famous man. No, nah, how do you get there? If God was sitting at this table and we're going to try to conquer this world in a healthy way, how are we going to do it? We got to ask for steps. First, I need a good team. I need good hearts. Yep. I need the right tools. Yep. People are asking God as if he's a make-a-wish genie, like just like, hey, I want to... A baddie with a fatty. It's like, bro, what are you, what are you going? Like, what are you? Some of the prayers that people ask that God doesn't even deliver is better for them not to have it. He knows best. He knows best. But I also feel like God gives wisdom. God gives wisdom through tribulation and suffering. I'm smarter because of jail. He wanted to teach me something. But question: Did you not ask for this life first? Oh, absolutely. So what came first? Was it the fact that you thirsted for a higher life or was it that God threw you into that? Because for me, if you asked me to be a trainer, hey, I need you to train me, I'm going to put you through your test. Oh, absolutely. So you asked God for that. Oh, he completely. didn't just put you in that circumstance. And, that, and that's one of the things that's very interesting. You have people who will sit at home and pray for an exceptional life. They'll say, I don't want to live a normal life. I want an exceptional life. I want a special life, a different life. And then they'll do exceptional things. They'll fly on a private jet. They'll buy a Bugatti. They'll sit in a $10 million mansion somewhere on the coast and then cry if they end up in jail. Exceptional doesn't always mean good. Exceptional means deviate from the norm. You begged God for exceptional. A Romanian jail cell is a unique experience just as a Bugatti on a private jet is a unique experience. If you want the experiences, there's no light without dark. You can't have both. If you're going to pray to God and ask for all these amazing things, you have to understand there's an equal and opposite force and you will pay the price. And who else, here is a beautiful thing. Let me backtrack that one line you just said. You could pray for something, but remember there's two people on the phone listening to your prayers. I like that. And here's the craziest part. You know when who's giving it to you. Yep. You know. Deep you can in your feel heart, it. you can feel it. Oh, of course you can feel it. You're I, lying to me if you I, say you can't feel it. And you know it. what? Maybe that's where I'm self-reflecting. We're talking about being vulnerable. I'll be vulnerable. Maybe that's actually where a lot of my motivation comes from, despite the fact I think I'm genuinely putting my life and my livelihood in danger by speaking so much truth against the matrix is... If I was getting all of this money and all of this fame and I wasn't talking about God and doing good for the world... I'd be very sure the devil was giving it to me. I'd feel it. I'd feel cheap. I'd feel dirty. And I would feel anxious. Like, okay, I've got this fame. What am I doing for the world? Okay, I may be entertaining. I may get some views. I may get some clicks. But what am I giving the people who believe in me? Am I scamming them? Am I hurting them? Are they getting better? What am I doing for the people who know my name? Am I just taking all this shit from the devil and I'm not giving anything back? Am I actually making anyone feel better about themselves? 
And then you sit there and realize that, yeah, you are. You're taking it from the devil. You'll pay the price tenfold with your soul. Do you this ever- is why I sit. This is why I sit and find the bravery to think I'm currently on bail in the middle of a judicial process inside of the country we are sitting in right now. I've been advised by all legal counsel to not do podcasts. Here I am doing a podcast. Why? Because I know people will listen to it and I can give a good message out there. And I believe that I can drive people in a holy direction, regardless of which religion, whether they choose Christianity or Islam, I believe there will be people who watch this and decide to believe in God. That's worth it to me. And then the money I'm achieving 10 years from now, whatever, I know it came from me trying to do the right thing. I didn't scam people on crypto. I didn't sell shit to kids. I didn't do none of that stuff. That, that is from the devil and you will pay the price for that. You can't, there's no light without dark. You can't just go through life robbing banks and think you're going to get away with it. I, I got a, I got a parable for you. That's in the Bible. And I think this kind of relates to you a little bit, do, but before I say that, can I, and, and be honest with me, do you feel like in your heart that if you did not do that for God, or if you did not do it, you feel like it's going to be taken away from you? Yes. There's a parable in the Bible and I'm going to rephrase it. So I want people to go read it because I'm going to most likely not do it justice, but I'm going to speak in a way that people can understand. We'll say a king comes up to three servants. He goes, I'm going to give you four pieces of gold. Or no, 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 crops. We'll say crops, right? Four crops for you, two crops for you, one crop for you. Go, plant your fields. The one with four goes, awesome. Look what God gave me. Boom, boom, boom. And he made it like so much. The second one who had two, he goes, wow, he gave me two. Boom, 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 boom. And I did it. Okay. The one who has one goes, oh, man, I don't want to mess up with the one thing that he gave me. I'm going to give the other guys like four and then three. And then I'm going to mess this up. Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hide it. I'm going to hide it. And then when God comes back, I'm going to be like, hey, man, I didn't lose. Look, I have it right here. You know what God did? He cursed them. He said, give it to me. And he gave it to the one who could multiply it. Because at the end, he thought that all of the glory was because of him. But he should have known that if it did well, it was going to be for God. So there was no failing. You have to go out and know that everything was given to you. And it's a privilege to be in the chair that you're in. Absolutely. To have that voice that you have that could tune into so many of these kids' ears. Yep. There's a responsibility that you're holding. I truly think the next journey that you're going to have is a spiritual one. Yeah. I think it is. Oh, and you're completely right. And, and when you asked me the question that I said yes to, the reason I said yes is, if God gave me this platform and then I acted a coward and I was afraid to talk because of the matrix or because they came for me or because I'll lose my money or because I'll, they'll lock me up, I would pay for that cowardice. You give it to the one who's not a coward. You give it to the man who's not a coward, which, which might be the reason he gave it to me in the first place. Because I was the one who was standing up fighting against all this shit earlier on. Just the one who did it. I was the one who went nuts. And I think that's why you were boasted in pride because at the moment he's like, I'm not going to remove that from him just yet yeah. because that's what's fueling him. Yeah. Regardless, I need him to do that job. Apostle Paul, he killed people. He was killing Christians. He just destroys this Christian that was a disciple in front of him. And that Christian was like, this is so predictable. Look at you guys. He goes, you guys have done this on and on and on. And then God took Paul and made him one of the greatest disciples. This is an ongoing thing that people don't understand. It's usually the people that God, the humans would be like, God would never use that guy. And there's like, oh, he was that guy. When Jesus was born, the first thing they ask is from where? That's their first question. Yeah. From wh- the ghetto? What good comes from that place? Why are they, why, hey, the kings of kings is coming from there? Don't believe it. Yeah. Are kings coming in on a donkey? I don't believe it. Yeah. I think, I know you don't talk to people. I know that after you're done with a podcast, you kind of go on and do what you need to do. But I would love to stay in contact because I feel like we could sharpen each other. 
I think so too. I think it'll be very interesting. Certainly. I think, uh, to be honest, I, I would love to extend the conversation, but sometimes when I feel like it's, it's ready to go, it's ready to go. We have part two ready, already lined up, so it'll happen some point, some point in the future. Thank you so much for being here, man. Anytime. I really, and truly, because like, th this, this is uh, putting my show on a different map, and I think you know that too. Yeah. And I really appreciate your time. Thank, thanks for coming, friend. Yeah, I would never drop the ball, I know I make it look easy. Yeah.